All right, so hey everybody, it's Brian uh, from Harvest Community Church, or harvestchurcheugene.com here in Eugene, Oregon, and um, I have some exciting stuff I want to share with you today. Uh, We, as stewards, have been praying and thinking and talking for some time here at Harvest. Stewards are our leadership team, if you don't know. We've been praying for some time about when is the right time to uh, begin to gather in person again here in the pandemic. And we have... um, come to a decision. We feel good unity about this, and we feel like uh, now is the time to let you know our plan. And so here's what we're planning for. Beginning March 7th, uh, the first Sunday in March, we're going to begin in-person gatherings again, in addition to online gatherings, so that you still have the choice. You can gather online, you can gather in person. But there's some details about this I want to make sure you understand. From the beginning, we have taken a very specific approach. We believe very much so that the pandemic is real, but we equally believe that spiritual needs are real as well. And so we have wanted to do everything we can to serve you and to meet your needs and to serve your needs spiritually, but to do it in a way that still keeps everyone safe. And so we've changed how we've handled the pandemic any number of times now. And so here's what we're planning. Online services will continue, uh, much as they have been, at uh, 9 a.m. Plus, we're going to, beginning on March 7th, hold two in-person services at our normal times, 9 a.m. and 10.45 a.m. But those services are going to have very limited capacity. Much of this comes down to what we've been asked uh, to do because of the pandemic. There will be 25 seats available per per service in the worship center. And we're going to open up our youth room, our student room, uh, with another 10 seats available as overflow space. As you can see, seating is very limited. In addition to those 30-some seats, we've also got to include staff and volunteers. And that's why those numbers are limited where they are. Because they're so limited, RSVPs are going to be required in advance. And of course, all of the safety measures we've already had in place, masks, social distancing, uh, hand washing, we're temperature checking all our volunteers, and we're asking that you stay home if you're sick with anything at all. Um, If you don't feel well, please just stay home. Um, That being said, all of those safety precautions will still be in place. During our worship services, here from the stage, our singing will be um, for those in the worship center. It, It will be live. And then for those in the youth room, they will watch, participate, really, with what's happening live. But they will see it on screen right over in the youth room. And so it'll be live here in the worship center on screen in the youth room, but in both places, teaching will happen, my teaching will happen via video. And so at the right point in the worship service, uh, we will move from folks on stage leading live to watching the video together of the teaching, much like we've been doing at home. We recognize that for some folks that might seem a little cautious, but I want to make sure you understand again, we're doing all we can to protect um, all of us in the midst of the pandemic and keep us safe as possible. You'll be able to see my lips that way. I won't have to wear a mask when I'm teaching, and you'll be able to understand better what it is I'm saying. Now, I will be here for services, but I'm not actually, more typically than not, 
I'm not going to be in the buildings. Because of my own vulnerabilities, um, I'm going to remain outside. Um, I'm going to serve you well. I'm going to interact with you. I'm going I'm to meet your needs. I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to do everything I know to do as your pastor. And of course, we'll have many other people available to serve you in those ways as well. So I will be present, but teaching is going to happen via video. And again, if you're in the youth overflow room, then it's all via video Uh, And we want to make sure you understand that. We anticipate that we will, at times, run out of available seating. And because of that, we're going to ask you up front to be gracious, but we're going to also require you to RSVP in advance. Now, if you arrive and you have RSVP'd and there's a seat for you, obviously you're going to get that seat. If you arrive late, maybe you're 10, 15 minutes late, but you RSVP'd, After a few minutes after the service starts, we're going to give those open seats away. And so you're going to want to make sure you plan to arrive early as well. And if you do not RSVP, it's okay to still show up and see if there are seats available. But we're going to ask you to be very gracious if there are not. And we hope that's okay. We do recognize that it's important that we serve as many of you as we can. And so if we begin to have a problem with seats filling up on a regular basis, we'll consider other options. But let's say it this way, to be as gracious towards you as possible, if you arrive and seats are not available, we might ask you to wait a few minutes to see if one becomes available. And if it does not, then we will um, at least ask you if you would like to be placed on the following Sunday's list right away so that you have, you know, you have a guarantee of seats the following Sunday. Now, one of the things we're thinking about if, if we're just packed and have no seats available any Sunday is, is we're thinking about some kind of rotations uh, where we would encourage you to uh, worship maybe on the first and third Sundays of the month or something of that nature. But we won't know how that's going to play out until we see how participation in the services is going to be. Uh, We're still working on the plan for kids' ministry. I know you're going to want to know that in the coming weeks between now and March 7th. We will be letting you know what the plan is for what's happening with kids' ministry. And there's one other thing as stewards we want you to know. We want you to know that we care about you and that we love you. Whether you feel safer gathering in person or you feel safer gathering online and gathering at home, we care about you. We want you to know that you matter to us. And quite honestly, we want to know how you're doing at this stage of the pandemic. And so next time you fill out a communication card, would you let us know? When you fill out that digital communication card, would you let us know what your plans are, whether you're planning to gather in person or whether you're planning to continue to gather online? Either one is totally good, is totally full of faith, And either one is totally okay with us. Just let us know. In addition to that, just let us know how you're doing. We would love to hear from you, and we would love to know how we can pray for you. It's been a difficult year for sure. And it's understandable to feel whatever it is you're feeling at this stage of the pandemic. In fact, I would want you to know it's okay to not be okay. But I also want you to take any of that sense you have of discouragement, any of that sense of frustration, any of that sense of I'm just tired of the pandemic. 
to take all of it and lay it at the Lord's feet. To bring any of that okay or not okay circumstances in your soul. I would encourage you to bring it before the Lord. Because sometimes in life, when we get away from it a bit and we look back, we come to realize that it's times just like these where we most felt the nearness of the Lord Himself. And our prayer for you is that whether you gather with us in person or you gather with us online, that you would know that we love you and that you would sense the nearness of the Lord Jesus. We love you. We're praying for you. We miss you. I hope you know how much you matter to us. All of that said, I want to encourage you just with a couple of things. Um, In our links, you'll notice a variety of links there. I want to run through some of those. Um, I want to welcome you this morning. I want to invite you to fill out our digital communication card. We ask everybody to fill out a digital communication card every single week. Our reason for that is we really want to know what's new and fresh in your world. If we can pray for you in some way, please don't hesitate to let us know. If we can serve you in some way, help you take a spiritual next step, or answer a question of any kind, please don't hesitate to reach out again on that digital communication card. Of course, on that digital communication card, uh, if you're new, we would love it if you would fill one out as well. I know there's always a little bit of an odd feeling. If you're new, maybe you've watched once, maybe today's your very first time, maybe you've watched a few times, and there's a little bit of that like, hey, what's going to happen if I fill this out? I just want to put you at ease. We would love to send you a note and just tell you a little bit about our church, and I usually handwrite a note. We just say, hey, we, we, we care about you. We want to serve you. Um, let us know how we can do that. In addition to that, uh, we want to give $5 in your name and in each of your family members' names to our partners at Monroe Middle School. Every single time that someone new fills out that digital communication card, we do that. They have a fund uh, for families in crisis right here in our neighborhood. Uh, we're a church that's all about serving our neighborhood and serving this community, and so we would love um, to donate that in your name to honor the fact that you're letting us know you're watching. There are many other links there, and I want to see if I can explain some of those. We're in a series called Welcome Home. We have this interesting goal, or a couple really, in the series of wanting all of us to make Harvest our home church, right? We want to connect all of us with the commitment that goes along with saying, hey, Harvest is my church, Harvest is my family. It's not just that church over there, it's my church. We want to walk us all through that commitment or recommitment. But at the same time, we want to help us all grow spiritually. We recognize that between now and Easter, there's about six weeks. And so we're challenging all of us in this season to grow. Last week, we were able to outline for us the three loves that represent what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, right? A follower of Jesus, a disciple, is a person who loves as Jesus loves, and a person who loves who Jesus loves. And so we are called, biblically, to love God, love Jesus with all our heart and soul and mind and strength. We are called, biblically, to love one another. And we are called, biblically, 
to love those in our community, to love those in our world. We often say to love the world the way Jesus loves the world, much as John 3.16. And last week, I challenged you to commit to growing for six weeks in one of those three loves. You remember that? If you haven't had the chance to watch it, you should go back and watch it and uh, hear that challenge. So growing in one of those three loves, we'd love for you to do that. And we're launching a variety of tools to help with that. And some of them are in your links, and some of them are on Facebook. And I want to talk about those for just a second. I do want to remind you of this. I challenged all of us. If we've been a believer in Jesus for a long time, and we're saying, you know, I just don't love Jesus enough to work on loving people or loving others or loving outsiders or loving the world yet. If, if you're thinking that, I really want to challenge you that you will not grow in your walk with Jesus without growing in your love for other people. And so I would really challenge you to pick one of those other two loves, to love, uh, love one another, love, love others, or love people, right? Or love the world the way Jesus loves the world, to pick one of those loves to grow in. So as usual, uh, our bookmarks are linked um, here, and also they're found on our website, they're found on our Facebook page, um, all of that. And so our spiritual growth pathway with love God, love people, love the world, it's all outlined there for you. We would love it today on your digital communication card for you let us know, if you haven't had the chance yet, your commitment for one of those three loves. And then what we're going to do is we're going to come alongside of you for the next six weeks and we're going to provide practical ways and practical tools to help you do that. Each of those groups is going to get a private group on Facebook. Harvest Loves Jesus, different group. Harvest Loves People, different group. Harvest Loves the World, right? The way Jesus loves the world, different group. And uh, we hope that this group becomes a new place for you to connect with others who share the same goal you have. We're going to provide prompts. We're going to provide uh, scriptures. We're going to provide prayers for you. We want to come alongside you and give you opportunities to grow in all of those ways. In our links, you'll see some other things there. There's a link that will help you commit for the first time or recommit, if you already have, to our membership covenant. Um, I will see... um, I am certain that those links have the covenant in it. The covenant is basically just agreeing that I've become a believer in Jesus, that I've been baptized, that I've gone through the harvest uh, discovering info, um, that I commit to this fellowship, right? That I commit to serve and support and pray and all the things we do as believers. That's not word for word, but that's a summary of what that covenant says. There are also some bonus videos that we're posting. Sometimes those bonus videos are going to get posted in the groups or on our uh, Facebook page just generally. Uh, Sometimes those videos are happening at the end of each worship service uh, through this series. And so be sure to stay tuned for some of those bonus videos. Uh, Our Harvest uh, membership booklet, or as we call it, the Discovering Harvest booklet in PDF form. There's a link to that there, and you can get that. There's a link to this bookmark. There's a membership agreement form if you're new and you're going through this series and you would be ready to say, I am ready to commit to Harvest Community Church and make Harvest my family for the first time. Um, you know, I, I want to become a believer. I am a believer. I've been baptized or I'm willing to be baptized. 
If you're willing to say those kinds of things, then fill out that membership agreement form, and what we'll do is we'll follow up with you, because what I want to do as much as I can, or as much as our staff can, is we want to sit down with you, we want to hear your story a little bit, and we want to make sure we're on the same page about what it means to be a part of the family here at Harvest. We'll do those, uh, those get-togethers, sometimes via Zoom, to keep people safe. We might do some of them on a warm day out in our pavilion, um, outside where we're in the open air, we'll wear masks, we'll do distancing, we'll do all those things to be safe. So we're going to find ways to make those kinds of connections happen because we want to welcome you to the family. Of course, there are some other tools and surprises we have planned for you, and so I just hope that you're excited as much as I am for this season. Can I pray for us? And then I'm going to jump into our Bible teaching today. Jesus, I thank you that you are so good and so gracious. I thank you that you love us the way you do. And I thank you. Thank you. That through this, uh, through this season that you have us. That we are as secure in, our, in your grip on us as we have ever been. And that there's nothing the enemy can do, and there is nothing this world can do, and there is nothing this crazy year can do to snatch us out of your hand. Jesus, we confess to you that this year is so difficult. For many of us, we're growing weary in doing good. And so, Lord, as we've talked about all year so far, let us not become weary in doing good. Help us to know that if we do not give up, we'll reap a harvest at the proper time. And so, Jesus, keep us growing in you. Keep us worshiping you. Keep us connecting with you and with others and able to share your love. And, Lord, help us to do it in ways that certainly keep people safe, but help us also to do it in ways that honor you greatly. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your word. We pray that you speak to us now. In Jesus' name, amen. So again, we're in a series. We're calling it Welcome Home. And you might remember last week, I talked about why Harvest exists. That we exist to help the southern Willamette Valley, you know, here in Eugene, Springfield, and all those around us, to find Jesus, discover who he is, and become a follower, a disciple of Jesus Christ. And a growing disciple is a person who loves as Jesus loves and loves who Jesus loves. And that's where those three loves come up for us. Now, that being said, I want to go a slightly different direction today. I want to talk to you about why we do what we do, but not from the standpoint of purpose and mission, more from the standpoint of our values. You know, someone has said that adversity doesn't develop character, Rather, adversity reveals character that's already inside of you. I'm going to reach back here, and uh, I'm going to pull this out. It's a bit, I'm almost there, right? Got it? It's a bit like this orange, right? If I were to cut a little hole in this orange, and then I were to squeeze this orange as hard as I possibly could, probably with strength better. In fact, if I were to get, you know, those, those, those squeezers, right, that squeeze the juice out of fruit, if I were to get one of those and just squeeze everything that was in this orange, the question I would ask you is, what would come out? And you say, well, juice would come out. Yes, thank you. What would come out? 
What kind of juice? Would it be grapefruit juice? Uh, would it be banana juice? I don't know. Is there banana juice? Would it be like kale juice or uh, you know wheatgrass or what kind of juice would come out of an orange? Now you think I'm nuts at this point. Because you know as well as I do that when the squeeze is on the orange, if it's uniquely and genuinely really an orange, then what will come out is orange juice. And of course, orange juice is what would come out. And so, my question is, if this were not an orange, if you were you, and the squeeze was turned on, what would come out? Whatever's inside of you. I've been thinking about that a lot lately. The squeeze is on these days. And the squeeze, of course, is not our choice. But what's on the inside of us, well, that is our choice. The Bible speaks frequently about the refiner's fire. You know, in the olden days when they would make a sword, right? And they would put the metal in the heat to to burn off the dross and burn off the things that were impure to leave the pure metal in play. Isaiah 48 verse 10 God said, see, I've refined you, though not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. Proverbs 17, 3, the crucible for silver, the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the heart. James 1, 2, and 3, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. The squeeze has been on for a while now. And the question I've got is, what comes out? What comes out of you? What comes out of me? In fact, the question I really have as it relates to Welcome Home and Harvest Community Church is, what comes out of Harvest when the squeeze is on? Instead of an orange, you could say a tube of toothpaste. Right in and bring one of those. You squeeze a tube of toothpaste, what comes out is toothpaste. Why? Because it's what's... On the inside. So as I've thought about harvest and the squeeze and the refiner's fire and the the trials and the difficulty that we go through in this season, I've thought a lot about what we want to come out. And so around harvest, we talk a lot about our values. And what I want to do in our time together today is I want to take you to the scripture, to Romans chapter 12 And I want to just very quickly outline our values for you. And so if you have your Bible, if you want to take notes, you can get our our notes are there in the links on YouTube and Facebook. We would love it if you would certainly say hello on YouTube and Facebook. I don't think I mentioned that before. But we would love it if you'd take notes. And so if you want to take notes, why don't you write this down? The one thing I want you to see today is that our values shape our decisions, and our behavior. And so we must choose them wisely. That our values shape what comes out. That our values shape our attitudes. Our values shape our decisions. Our values shape our behaviors. 
And so when the squeeze is on, it's our values that shape what comes out of us. So what do you value? What do I value? And more importantly, what does Scripture value for a church? Now, we don't say them exactly the way Scripture does, right? We have some sort of unique phrases we use, and I'm going to share those with you today. But we believe these are wholeheartedly rooted in the Scripture. And today I want to show them to you in Romans chapter 12. Someone once said, values are like fingerprints. Nobodies are exactly the same, but you leave them all over everything you do. That was actually, if I have it right, Elvis Presley. John Wooden, the famed coach, once said, good values are like a magnet. They attract good people. John Maxwell says your core values are deeply held beliefs that authentically describe your soul. And so there's value in knowing your values. And when the squeeze is on, it's your values that will drive what will come out. I can think in my mind of story after story after story when the squeeze has been on either me as a pastor or on us as a church. And times that I've seen love come out, times that I've seen grace come out, times that I've seen worship come out, times that I've seen so many other things. And so it's that kind of stuff I want to share with you today. What do we want to come out when the squeeze is on at harvest? By the way, I think I said this, but you don't get to control when the squeeze happens. We all wish we could. Specifically, we wish the squeeze would end right now. But I do control what comes out of me, and we have a say collectively what comes out of harvest. So I'm going to give you very quickly, and I'm going to run through them fairly fast, seven values. I know that sounds long. Just hear me out. Value number one, life-changing worship. We value life-changing worship. And we have a phrase we would sort of say sometimes. You Maybe you've heard me say it, maybe not. But we worship around the word because the word changes lives. And so when we worship, our worship personally, corporately, gathered together, gathered online, gathered in whatever fashion we're gathering, our worship centers around the word of God. It's why we make a big deal out of teaching the word. Romans 12.1, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so our worship, like this says, looks backwards to God's mercy and grace, and it reminds me of grace. Our worship inspires me to awe and wonder and, and to reflect on the beauty and the magnificent person that is the Lord. Our beauty points, or our worship rather, points us to surrender, to recognize that there is a pressure to conform to the world's mold, but not to conform, but to change our thinking bathed in the word, to be renewed in the word, so that we can be transformed from the inside out, moving us to be people who obey. 
That's what we want to do here at Harvest. We worship around the Word because that Word of God changes lives. It's why we do the Bible bookmarks. It's why we challenge you to have a time every day where you're personally worshiping. It's why we do much of what we do the way we do it. Because we value life-changing worship. It's passionate. It's authentic. And more than anything, it allows the Word to change our lives. Now, I want you to notice that there's a pivot in the text in Romans 12. In fact, it's the same pivot that we used last week when we were in the book of Acts. It's a pivot from loving God, where we're challenging to do that in the first couple of verses here, to loving others in the body, that's verses 3 through 13 of this chapter, to loving persecutors, which we could say are outside the body, or loving those outside the body, verses 14 through 21. So the second value we have is diverse unity or diversity in unity. We would say it this way, that we prioritize unity, but we reject uniformity. Uniformity is where everybody has to look alike, think alike, act alike, dress alike, vote alike have the same backgrounds, have the same perspectives, have the same ideologies. We reject that. Because there is nothing in the Word of God that says, go find a bunch of people like you and just love them alone. In fact, Jesus was super intentional about bringing together people from different ideologies and telling them to love one another. And then when Jesus launched his church and sent those apostles back out into the world, he called the church to bring together Jew and Gentile and people from every tribe and tongue and nation and to center them around Jesus. And so our unity is found in a love for Jesus, not an agreement about every single little thing. Verse 3 says, For the, by, by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, and I want you to notice that grace is what drives the day here. The only way to achieve this unity is in grace. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have all the same function, so in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, then do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. That is all about how a very diverse body comes together all as different parts, all with different gifts, certainly all with different um, ways of thinking, 
who come together to operate around being the one united body of Christ where God is working through all of us. It reminds us that we are all needed. It is reminding us that we are all to be at work in serving the body and in serving the Lord, that none of us are to be left out. And it is reminding us, frankly, if I'm honest, that pride can make us think something like, I'm better than you, or pride equally can weirdly, insecurity, sort of the other side of pride, can make us think, well, I'm inferior to you. And so I don't belong to the body. And this is saying neither of those perspectives is true. That the gospel has the power to unite us. That the cross points us not only to salvation, but to the values of grace, to humility and servanthood and sacrifice, to compassion and forgiveness. That I no longer get to be the judge of either others or everything else, but rather that I am to be in this body a meaningful part of that diversity and unity. We value that, number two. Number three, we value... I'm going to use a big word here. I apologize for this because I try to use big words, but it's just the right word. We value preeminent love for love to be the priority. We would say it this way sometimes, that we start with love and we end with love. That this is how we operate. Start with love, end with love. It drives all we do. Notice verse 9. Love must be sincere. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Now I'm going to come back and go through the rest of the verses in the chapter in a minute. But I want you to skip all the verses that are in between verse 9 and verse 21. And I want you to read verse 21 with me. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good. What is he saying? He's saying that the way we overcome is by love. That we start with love and that we end with love. Notice that it is repeated here. It bookends at the two sides of the text. That we are to hate what is evil. We are to cling what is good. We're not to be overcome by evil, but to overcome evil with good. That love is the way we do it. You know, the early church, I was reading this week, and a pastor said this. He said, look, the early church did not grow because people were forced into it or coerced into it or even talked into it. But people were drawn to the church like metal can be drawn to a magnet. And what made the early church so magnetic, or what makes any church, even today, magnetic, is love. And so today and every day, we work on what it means to love one another. What it means to love those around us. What it means to love those in our community. And I promise you, I have not arrived in that yet. i got a long way to go. I'm sure you do too. But it is the goal or the standard we want to aspire to. That when we are squeezed, what comes out from beginning to end is love. We start with love We end with love. Number four, we value humble authenticity. That is to say that we lead without pretending because we know that none of us are perfect. None of us is perfect. We know that. We lead without pretending because we know that none of us is perfect. Verse 9 said, love must be sincere. 
The word sincere there is the Greek word anhupakritos. Our word hypocrisy is the root there with an on or an ah prefix put in front of it. And that prefix means not. Love is not hypocritical. Hypocrites in their day, that word hypocritos referred to play actors who wore masks in silent kinds of acting to reflect a sense of emotion. And so hypocrisy came to represent play acting, faking it. And we value humble authenticity. This is largely about the kind of leaders we build and how we lead. That we will lead with love, that we will lead with humility, that we will lead with authenticity, and we will lead with the knowledge that Jesus is always right, but I am not always right. Humble authenticity, number four. Number five, we value meaningful servanthood. Meaningful servanthood. We say this phrase all the time. We outserve our size. We outserve our size. What that means is all of us need to get involved. It means it takes every single one of us to accomplish what God wants to do in the body. Wasn't it telling us that when it talked about the parts of the body and the gifts in the body and how they all come together? It's reminding us that, that our mission philosophy, both in the community, across our region, around the nation, and literally around the world, should be driven by sacrificial servanthood, by generous servanthood. That is, these gifts we have and the love that inspires them that must come out. That we must be devoted to one another, verse 10 says, in love. That we will honor one another above Yourselves, it says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, be patient in affliction, be faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality. All of this is reminding me that inside the body of Christ, we are to outserve our size. And when we read the next session that talks about persecutors, it's going to tell us to bless them. It's going to tell us to bless those outside the body, even those that could be considered enemies who, who even might hate us. It would tell us to love and serve them. It's telling us to out serve our size, that the church is at its best when it exercises all of its muscles, starting with a heart of love, that God has given us all we need to do everything he wants. But it is so, so easy for a church to leave 75% of it, 80% of it on the sidelines, that we are working to develop selfless hearts and servant hearts. get the impression I believe this stuff? You've heard me teach it for years. I do. I'm passionate about this. Number six, value number six, is an outsider focus that we believe with all our hearts that people on the outside of faith matter a lot. That people who are far from God are not far from the heart of God. That they are on God's heart, that they are on God's mind, and therefore they must be on our minds. Now, I've been fairly asked, does that mean that everything the church does is for outsiders or everything the church does is for non-believers? I would say not at all. There's a lot of what we do. In fact, most of what we've talked about so far has been about what believers do. But I would say 
that we believe with all our hearts that the great commission in Scripture in Matthew 28 to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations is to be taken seriously even right here at home in our own community. It's why we can't simply be satisfied with reaching who we have. It drives us to love our community. It drives us to serve the nations. It drives us to partner with those who, with like-mindedness, would want to see that the people of the world who, who don't always act lovable know that God still loves them. Remember, we are commanded by Jesus to love God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind and all of your strength. And we are commanded by Jesus to love one another. So it goes from God, pivots to one another, that we are commanded by Jesus to love your neighbor. And his definition of neighbor is very broad and absolutely includes people who don't believe like you. And Jesus even commands us to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. That's the theme that is picked up here. Verse 14, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another and do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. That doesn't mean that you can please everyone, but it does mean that you can do the right thing where others can see it. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, and I will repay, says the Lord, that we are to, as believers in Jesus, leave justice to Jesus when it comes to vengeance tells us that in Leviticus 19 but it is to tell us that we are to bring God's form of just living that would be called righteousness to the equation and in doing so we are to love that if your enemy is hungry feed him if he is thirsty give him something to drink in doing this you will reap burning coals on his head. Now that's actually a quote from Proverbs 25. Earlier a reference to Deuteronomy 32 as well. That what we are to do as believers in Jesus is to be people who bless not curse. That we are to be people who love not hate. That we are to be people who can empathize and people who can humble ourselves. And if you think about it, this is precisely and exactly how Jesus has treated us. And so verse 21 sums it all up to say, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And so we do that a lot. We serve Folks right here in our neighborhood, we partner with schools right here in our neighborhood to serve. We partner with our neighborhood association to serve. That we want to partner with Eugene and Springfield to serve the homeless. We have a homeless ministry that serves uh, the homeless in town on the third Sunday of every month. That we do many things across our community to serve and to outserve our size. There are times when we adopt a family and we just graciously and lavishly throw 
meaningful help in their direction because that's what God would call us to do to outserve our size, including outsiders who have yet to discover that Jesus loves them. Now think about this. When the squeeze is on, if what comes out of us is love, that love is magnetic and people will be attracted to Jesus. And if when the squeeze is on, what comes out of us is hate or judgment, if what comes out of us is religion, if what comes out of us doesn't pass the smell test, then we will repel people who are far from God, convincing them that God couldn't possibly care about them. One more value, maybe this goes without saying, but number seven, we value being a positive influence. That is to say that we will be known by what we are for, not what we are against. That doesn't mean that we water down the Scripture or that we do not let the Scripture say what it says. That would violate our first value with life-changing worship around the Word. We're going to trust the Word. We're going to rightly interpret the Word. We're going to see the Word in context and see what it means. And when the Bible says something is wrong, we're going to say, yeah, it's what the Bible says. But at the same time, Christians around the world often find it easy to say, we're against this, and we're against this, and we're against this, and we're against this, and nobody has a clue what their God is for. And we want people to look at us and know what we are known for, back to these values that we are known for life-changing worship, that we are known for outsiders mattering, that we are known for outserving our size. As it said here, if your enemy is hungry, feed him, meet a need. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. You can overcome evil with good. And so we practice the grace of blessing and the grace of empathy and the grace of humility and the grace of forgiveness and the grace of serving needs. And what we find is that grace does a much better job of winning people than religion or judgment ever will. That grace wins. And that's the positive influence we want to be known for. For God's grace. I am so thankful that God sent Jesus. Because I would not as a human being be these things if I did not have him in my life to transform me and make me like him. And I believe with all my heart, if you think about these values, they can be values that describe the life of Jesus, not just the life of the church. Someone has said that if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent an educator. And if our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent a scientist. And if our greatest need had been money, God would have sent an economist. But our greatest need was forgiveness and redemption, and therefore God sent a Savior. And His name is Jesus. And that Savior is full of love. And that Savior is full of grace. And that Savior is full of humility and servanthood. And man, do I fall short sometimes when the squeeze is on. Because I, like you, find it easy to react. I find it easy, and I have to sometimes go to people and say, you know what, I responded in the wrong way. I reacted. I'm so sorry I did that. Will you forgive me? 
The question I would ask you today is what do you want to come out when the squeeze is on? I want it to be Jesus. And for our church, we prioritize just that. So we always end with two prayers. And I want to pray today. I want to pray for you. And I want to pray for you in a way that is meaningful. Those two prayers work like this. First prayer is a prayer of salvation. If you don't know Jesus, if you've not asked him for forgiveness, if for today, for the very first time, you need or you want to become a Christian, you can pray with me right now and Jesus will come and forgive you and envelop you and come into you and live inside of you. You see, that's why Jesus died on that cross. It's why they crucified him. His his life hung there while all of our sins were placed upon him so that we could have a love relationship with God, with Jesus. Of course, they buried him in that grave and he rose again, defeating death and defeating the sin. So if you need Jesus today, pray with me right now. Pray just like this, dear Jesus. Thank you for loving me. Thank you that you came, that you lived, that you taught, that you died for me, and that you rose again. Jesus, please forgive my sins, my wrongs. Jesus, I turn to you. Please take over my life and please make me yours. And since you're alive, come live in me. And change me, transform me, and make me more like you. So that when the squeeze is on, you're what comes out. Please, Jesus, save my life. I pray in your name. Amen. If that's you and you prayed that prayer for the very first time, man, am I excited about that. And I would love to know it. And so if someone invited you to watch, please tell them and they'll let me know. If you discovered us on your own, would you let me know? You can fill out our digital communication card. We mentioned that earlier. It's in the links on YouTube and Facebook. There's a place there to say I've become a follower of Jesus for the very first time. Or you can email me. I would love to hear that. I'm Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at harvestchurcheugene.com. We always end with two prayers. First prayer, prayer of salvation. We just did that. Our second prayer is a prayer of application. It's a prayer of discipleship, of growing us in our faith. It's a prayer that applies everything we just talked about to our lives, and you can pray it with me as well. Because if you've been a Christian for a long time, you're in a place where you likely, like me, need to keep growing in this fashion, that in these loves we so often talk about, you never stop growing or at least you never should stop growing in your love for God, your love for people, and your love for the world, the people of the world, and love them the way Jesus loves the world. So would you pray this prayer of discipleship with me? Dear Jesus, make us a people who worship you around your word and use your word to transform lives. My life. Jesus, give us a unity centered in Jesus, even though we are quite diverse in our backgrounds. Jesus, help me to always start with love and always end with love. And as your word says, speak the truth 
in love. Jesus, help me and help us as a church to lead with humble authenticity and be the first to share grace. Ensure that we never forget about those outside of us who have yet to understood to understand your love and your grace. And Lord, make us, make me, a positive influence for your kingdom while we live down here in this one. May I be an influence for grace. Jesus, I ask that we at Harvest might make much of you, Jesus, and all we do. We pray in your name. Amen. Amen. So don't forget today, we really want to know which of the three loves you want to grow in. We're going to invite you into a Facebook group if you have a Facebook account. And so uh, let us know so that we can give you that invitation. If you, if you happen to remember our uh, spiritual connections, our Harvest Connections group, we're going to pause that group for a while so we can really focus on these three groups. Uh, we want to help you connect there. Obviously, Harvest has a few other groups. We're working on some micro groups that we can start on Facebook as well. I'd love to introduce some harvesters to one another that haven't met each other yet. Um, so there's a lot of things we're going to do there to grow in love in the next six weeks. But will you please let us know which one of those three loves you need to grow in? And while you're thinking about it, maybe today you'd write down the name of someone, maybe even three people. I usually, in our membership class, our Discovering Harvest class, I usually challenge each of us to write down the names of three people we can pray for that we can invite to be a part of what God is doing here at Harvest. People we can pray for who need Jesus. Would you pray about that? Would you write that down? Would you seek to grow in love over these next six weeks? I can't wait to see what God's going to do. Remember all those links that are there? Of course, there's a link to give. If you're new today, please don't worry about that. But those of you who consider Harvest your home, I know we take that super serious because we know that when we give, grace goes out. It is that grace of generosity that is such a blessing. Remember this, friends. You matter. And we love you. I'll see you soon. All right, so hey everybody, it's Brian uh, with another bonus video here at Harvest Community Church or HarvestChurchEugene.com. We've been in a series called Welcome Home, and uh, here in the series we've talked a lot about the importance of loving one another, the importance of loving people. And so I want to talk to you just a moment in this bonus video about groups and teams and how important it is to have people in your life who live out the faith with you. You know, the Bible is really clear. Whether we're reading the Old Testament or we're reading the New Testament and we see the way Jesus uh, developed and clarified and helped us understand all that God is intending. It's very easy to see in the life and in the teaching of Jesus, the teaching of love. 
Jesus affirmed that the meaning of life is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul, with all your mind and strength. Likewise, Jesus taught that we are supposed to love one another. And then, of course, in time, he taught us to love our neighbor. He taught us even to love our enemy. And so love is at the core of what it means to be a Christian because to be a disciple is to be a person who loves as Jesus loves and to be a person who loves who Jesus loves. And so we put so much emphasis here at Harvest on our groups and on our teams because that's where we're going to live out those loves. If you read the rest of the New Testament, it's clear We're to live in harmony with one another. We're to be devoted to one another. We're to honor one another above ourselves. We're to accept one another and instruct one another. We're to encourage one another and serve one another humbly in love. We're to be kind and compassionate to one another. We're to submit to one another and bear with each other and forgive one another. I think you get the idea. That the teaching is clear in Scripture that there needs to be some people in our life that we walk the faith with, that there is meant to be a togetherness in the way we live the faith. And so I want to encourage you to find those people here at Harvest Community Church. At Harvest, we have groups and we have teams that both are going to live out this sense of loving one another. Our ministry teams sometimes act like groups in that there's connectedness and we're praying for one another while we're doing a mission together. Our Bible study groups and our prayer groups very much function the same way where the function we're gathered around might be, again, Bible study or prayer. Over the years, we have made groups and teams a place where we can be cared for, where we can be accountable, and where there can be a place to serve beyond ourselves. In addition to that, if I think about the, the, the decade or more that I've been here at Harvest, and certainly the decade before uh, my time here at Harvest, there's always been um, a strong emphasis, an encouragement, really, really a, <laughs> just a sense that you need to be in a group. You need to be a part of a team because you don't want to walk the faith alone. And so over the years, we've offered Bible study groups that center around studying the Word of God together. And of course, those folks also pray together and serve together. We've offered prayer groups where the primary focus is prayer. In certain seasons, we've had recovery groups where we've helped people walk through certain struggles of life. And we've even had recreation groups Right where for a short season, people gather together, build life together around an activity like a walking group or a golfing group. Right now in the pandemic, we recognize that doing things together is a bit of a challenge. And so we're really focusing on making sure that we also offer some online groups so that there's a clear sense of a chance to live out the togetherness and to encourage and serve and, and forgive and walk with one another, that we can still have that in our lives, to have our people who help us with our faith. In this Welcome Home series, we've started three new online groups, Harvest Loves Jesus, and Harvest Loves People, and Harvest Loves the World. And in all three of those groups, no matter which of those growth aspects you're working on, 
We want you to participate those, in those groups in a way that would help you know those in the group, that would help you serve those in the group, pray for those in the group, and grow together in whatever it is your focus is in your group. In addition to that, Harvest has many teams that allow us to serve our community, teams that allow us to serve the Lord, and teams that allow us to serve one another. And we want you to be encouraged to find your gifts, to be encouraged to know how to serve the Lord by serving people. And at the end of the day, we want you to know that it really matters that you find those people. In fact, I have sometimes said it this way, and I don't think I could say it any, any more strongly. If you come to Harvest and you find that we're a very friendly, loving church, you would be right. But if you find yourself content with just worshiping, but not connecting with any other people, what will happen in time is you will find that you think we're not as loving or not as friendly as you thought. And I wouldn't blame you for that, but I would tell you that to really sense and really experience the sense of friends, the sense of togetherness, the sense of love that a church is meant to be, it has to go beyond the crowd and become personal. And we do that in our groups and in our teams. And we'd love to hear from you how you want to connect. And so please let us know in this season if you want to be a part of Harvest Loves Jesus or Harvest Loves People or Harvest Loves the World, let us know. If it's after the pandemic and you want to connect with one of our groups in some way or you look at our groups and you say, hey, I think it'd be great if we had a group that studied something else, obviously from the Bible, and can we start one of those? Man, we're glad to look for a leader and maybe you are that leader. But at the end of the day, it's so, so important that you have people in your life who can know you, who can love you, who you can love and serve, and together you can walk the faith. So please let us know where you're at. Please let us know how we can help you connect, and we'll do our level best to connect you in a way that makes the most sense in your life. In the meantime, just remember this. Friends, you are loved.